for these four uh, that are there before the throne. Uh, before the throne, there was a sea of glass we see in verse 6, Revelation 4, 6. And here's where they are. Their location gives them away. In the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in the front and in the back. These are those ones who are nearest the Lord Jesus, not, not mixed into the multitude, innumerable multitude that will be before the throne that we can see elsewhere in Revelation. That will be those ones, among those ones that are waving palm branches and saying salvation to our God and those things with some measure of limited understanding and some measure of limited, well, dedication in this life to the Lord, just to put a fine point on it. These are ones who demonstrated in their lives here that they wanted to be as close as they could to the Lord, not only in eternity, but here. And we see that borne out for them in eternity and that they are there close to him. Well, even reigning with him, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer him, we read in the book of Romans. I won't go there this morning. These ones will have chosen to live their life and taken those sufferings in fellowship with the Lord Jesus. And they're rewarded for it. So we see it uh, presented there that in their location. We also see it in what they're doing there, their activity. What are they doing? It says that they do not rest day or night in verse 8. The second half there says, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This is what they're doing is worshiping the Lord. Uh, That's their focus is to glorify the Lord Jesus continually. Again, a representation of what and how they lived their lives here. Recognizing that honoring the Lord was first and foremost. Uh, And we also see it in their appearance. Listen, there's a lot more here than what I'm going into. I'm just giving you just the quick, um, well, the Cliff's Notes version here. In their appearance, we see it in verse 7. They're represented there. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each one of these ones represents some facet of the Lord Jesus himself. Uh, His royalty, his servanthood, his humanity. And his deity, his being the son of God. And these ones reflect those pieces of the Lord Jesus. Again, take these and study them for yourself if you haven't considered them for yourself. Time-consuming study, but incredibly blessing to you. Uh, So these ones reflect Jesus, those facets of the Lord Jesus. Also, they reflect a number of other things. In verse 6, we see in their appearance that they're full of eyes in front and back. In verse 8, it says they're full of eyes around and within. I heard Lachlan this morning when he saw that slide this morning. He asked his grandpa, he's like, what are all those eyes all about? This is what it's all about. Uh, they were circumspect. These ones lived their lives as we're called to in Ephesians 5 and verse 15. Paul told us. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, taking the time and exchanging it for something good, something eternal, something glorious and rich. Uh, that's what these ones are demonstrating. Eyes all around and within. They, they see, they're looking. Um, and we see this represented in how they were when they were in this earth, how they were in their lives. These ones who will draw near to the Lord in life, these ones who are looking for his will and his ways, these ones who want to be close to him, these ones who bear out and reflect the Lord Jesus now, we see them presented here in the throne room before, before the Lord himself. 
Those ones who will allow themselves to reflect the Lord and be transformed into his image as we read about in 2 Corinthians, they will be made to look like him. Perhaps not exactly. You know, the Lord doesn't look like a calf necessarily, but reflecting, illustrating certainly, a picture of his makeup and, well, who he is. Now, one other thing that we see here. Again, that was just a very quick, very brief, very shallow little scraping of the surface there. But one, the one piece, as we mentioned a moment ago, that we're going to consider as far as their function and their appearance and the like, is that they have six wings. The four living creatures, each having six wings. Uh, wings are remarkable things, naturally speaking, I mean, I had designs on giving all kinds of pictures and photos, and, but I felt checked in doing that and not wasting time presenting to you what you know them to be. Uh, birds have wings. They're flappy things that stick out like this. Oftentimes, well, oftentimes they will flap, but oftentimes they can just stick them out straight and it takes them up and they can fly. You know what wings are. Typically, they're made of feathers, albeit bats don't have feathers on their wings. Bees don't have feathers on their wings, so it's not always that way. But you understand what they are. Uh, I can probably rattle off half a dozen super sappy natural songs that mention wings. I'll give you one, The Wind Beneath My Wings. If I never hear that song again, <laughs> it will be too soon because it's overused, overplayed. If you love that song, my apologies to you. I do not mean to offend you. But, you know, it's the wind beneath my wings and lifting me up and etc., etc. So all kinds of different uh, pop culture references and all kinds of sentimental and, I don't know, just gooey attributions have been made to wings because they're beautiful and because we don't have them, naturally speaking, and because they do something rather remarkable. They lift you up and cause you to fly and all of those things, well, oftentimes we wish that we could do. Uh, if these other traits that we just talked about with these four living ones... If these other things reflect the Lord Jesus and reflect these ones and their desire in their lives to draw nearer to him, be nearest to him, and to remain nearest to him for eternity, how do these six wings reflect that? That's the question that I'm hoping to answer this morning. What do they do? Why six? Especially considering that as we're going to turn to Ezekiel chapter 1, we see that they have four in Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 10. Let's consider these questions this morning and just look strictly at these wings and what do they mean to us uh, as children of God living our life, hopefully in purpose of being victorious ourselves this morning. Um, again, Revelation 4 is not our first introduction to these ones, so let's do turn to Ezekiel chapter 1. If you haven't read Ezekiel for yourself, read it. Prepare to have a lot of questions if you've never read it for yourself because there are a lot of things, a lot of questions that will come up. There are a lot of questions that after you have read it once, three times, 50 times, you still will not have certain questions answered, and that's okay. But Ezekiel is a prophetic book. This man, Ezekiel, was a priest. He lived in the days of that Babylonian captivity of Judah, and he lived among those captives there. And he was given to prophesy to these ones. And we can read in Ezekiel chapter 1, we can read in verse 1 that 
Well, during this time frame that he lived, he was given visions of God. He was given the well capability of seeing something that other people weren't seeing, something that the Lord wanted him to observe and tell about. And so he did. Uh, he goes on in verse 4 to say, among those things that he saw, but let's just read verse 4 as we go into verse 5, with this vision that he saw of the Lord. It says, Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it, and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also from within it, verse 5, came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. So we see these ones here, uh, well, they look very much like the ones that we just read in Revelation 4. He goes on to describe each one of these having four faces. Man, lion, eagle, ox on each one of them. A little bit differently presented than the ones in Revelation 4. But that's okay. Uh, he mentions a number of other things here that are different about these ones. He talks about wheels, and in the New King James it says rims. Uh, these things that accompanied these ones, there's a lot going on here. A lot, a lot of things, again, questions that aren't necessarily going to be answered. Uh, certainly not today, and perhaps not even with your own study that you have for yourselves. But as we see there, uh, well, in verse 6, they did indeed have wings as well, as well as those ones there, albeit four of them, and we'll get to that in just a second. What are these wings for, and why do these ones who represent fully victorious believers, these ones being presented in the earth, certainly not in the throne room as we see in Revelation 4, what do these wings mean? What are they for? What is their purpose? Now, if you look at wings in the natural, as I mentioned a moment ago, a number of different creatures have them. Certainly they are meant to fly, but there's more than just flying as a, well, a, a purpose for wings. Not all wings are created equally, I would say. Uh, I've been to the, well, we actually just went to the zoo, took Emmy to the zoo last week. I didn't see the ostriches, and I'll be honest with you, I'm glad. I hate those things. Uh, hate's a strong word, and I use it intentionally. I had a bad experience with an ostrich one time. I will not go into that just now. Ostriches creep me out. I'll just leave it at that. And their wings, you would say, they're worthless because they don't fly. They don't get off of the ground. And it's probably good. Could you imagine if those big beasts were up in, up in, up in the air? I wasn't being crass, but that was probably included as well. I, I'll just leave it at that. Ostriches are gross, and their wings are odd and not created in the same manner as, say, an eagle's that's spread out flexed out with all those pinions sticking out and soaring over. The ostrich is kind of chunky, not real attractive, not real awesome looking. But you know what it has a use? It has a purpose. You know what it does? It's like a rudder. I just found this out as I was preparing this lesson. While they're running, and they run brilliantly fast, foolish-looking creatures, but they are fast, fast animals, and they'll flap their wings kind of move them just like so, like a cheetah with its tail. Sets it off and counterbalances and cantilevers and all this kind of stuff. They're running fast enough that they can actually rudder themselves as they're, as they're running. I think that's I think it's pretty awesome myself. Uh, we have little birds that I grew up with. They're plovers of some, oh, I think they also call them, is it Kilroy's? I don't remember. But they're little birds and they do fly, but they also use their wing as a, as a distraction 
If an enemy's coming up, they would plant, they lay their little eggs right there off of our driveway, and we would mark them with a flag every time, every season when these ones would come and lay their eggs. We'd mark a flag because we didn't want to run them over. They put them on the ground where it was rather dangerous, particularly when we're driving past. And as you go by, Mama Bird would get up off of that nest and run several feet away from it and flap her wing, and it looked broken. It was a distraction, a deterrent to say, "Come and eat me, uh, bad." predator and well when you walk over to her she'd say fooled you flap off and fly away but she used it as a deterrent a distraction um, that wing penguins swim with their wings and they actually might call them flippers i don't know but they're wings they're birds uh yeah not all wings are created equal and not all of them are intended just for simply flying i'll take you to isaiah chapter 6 and verse 2 and these are other angelic beings they're not the cherubim by name Uh, They're called the seraphim, only mentioned here in Isaiah. But we're looking at their wings. They have wings as well. And you can see that not all of them are simply used for flying. Above it stood seraphim. No context involved here, just giving you an example. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. So there's purpose involved here, oftentimes, other than just flying. And I think that we can see that in these cherubim as well. That these wings that they have aren't necessarily just for flying. Now, that being said, what did these living ones here in Ezekiel 1, Revelation 4, what did they do with their wings? The first thing we'll look at is flying. (laughs) After all that, they do it more than just fly. Well, let's look at flying just to get it out of the way. It is the obvious thing. If you flip over to the 19th verse of chapter 10 of Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 19, the first part there says the cherubim lifted their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight, Ezekiel said. It doesn't say if they used all their wings or just two of them, but I'm just going to say it and put it in this framework, in this method. One pair, at least one pair of the wings that these ones have is for flying. Uh, Saints, you understand, I trust, that I don't have any wings on my back. Uh, you can hear different commercials. I'm going to give a little plug to an energy drink, and I encourage you guys not to drink energy drinks, but perhaps you've seen those goofy, goofy, weird commercials. Red Bull gives you wings, right? And they have these little cartoons where they sip a Red Bull, and all of a sudden wings sprout out, and they, it's goofy. I don't, they don't even make any sense to me. But, you know, there's, there's an energizing there, right, with that energy drink. Uh, we don't have wings on our backs, But the Lord offers us, I believe, in a certain figurative extent. He offers us wings uh, with this purpose. Number one, to lift us up. To lift us up like we see here. Um, They lifted their wings and mounted up from the earth in Ezekiel's sight. He gives us wings and offers for us to use them to lift us up over the various issues on this earth during this life. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Now, I believe that there is an exaltation that will come in due time, certainly when we're with him. But the Lord gives us the capability even now. Even now of not being entangled in the things of the world. Of not being trudged down just in the mire of the world. Of not being burdened to a measure that we're just leaning into the flesh. Just suffering with the things that would weigh us and beset us. 
One of the most quoted verses that we see in Scripture, at least in part. We sing about this. We sing these lyrics. Isaiah 40 and verse 31. He tells us that those who wait upon the Lord. And that doesn't just mean to sit silently in a corner uh, hoping that he's going to pass by. It means to serve him. To wait on him. Even to seek him for his will and his purpose. Ready. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. That means right now. That means today. That doesn't just mean uh, when we're in heaven, you know, and we're airborne, as it were. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That means in our purposes and in our efforts right now. We don't need to be entangled. We don't need to be slowed down. We don't need to hang on to those things, weights and sins that would so easily beset us. We don't have to be slow. We don't have to be slow in serving God. We're intended, and we can rise up, be lifted up over those trappings that the world would present before us. Knowings of God that he offers us are those things that will lift us up from those things. And not only lift us up so that we might float, as it were, over the world and look down on everything and everybody. That's not it. It moves us forward as well. I told you to keep a bookmark in Ezekiel. Flip back to Ezekiel chapter 1 and look at verse 11. Verses 11 and 12. Their wings stretched upward. Two wings of each one touched one another and two covered their bodies. Each one doing something just a bit different there again. But each one went straight forward. Each one of these living ones moved forward. And it describes that they went wherever the Spirit wanted to go, and they did not turn when they went. That's important, isn't it? That's important that we go where the Spirit would want us to go. Now, when we talk about Spirit, we talk about the new man within us, the new creation. And then we also speak of the Holy Spirit. When that new man is led of the Holy Spirit, I think we ought to move in the direction that he calls us, don't you? Isn't that what God's victorious ones will do they'll move wherever the spirit wants to go Uh, not looking to the right or the left is how i well how i see these ones doing they went wherever the spirit wanted to go and they did not turn when they went proverbs 4 and verse 25 says let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established do not turn to the right or the left Remove your foot from evil. How better to remove your foot from evil and to not turn to the right or the left than to have a set of wings that lifts you up from evil and moves you straight forward with the intent and purpose of the Spirit that leads us. How better? Does the Lord not provide that? I believe that He does. It's ours to take that. Well, as we pursue victory, it's ours to take that um, opportunity, that privilege and that enabling and make straight paths for our feet hebrews chapter 12 and verse 12 hebrews 12 and verse 12 that familiar passage there says therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed and so it is we can go to a number of different passages in scripture where it speaks not turning to the left or to the right old testament and new testament to move forward with your paths set with your intents and your purposes guided by the Spirit. We understand this. This isn't unfamiliar to us. The Lord gives us that capability. He gives us that power. He gives us even that desire. It's it's the Lord's, well, to create in us, uh, both to will and to do of His good 
pleasure. It's there. We just need to receive it. Going wherever the Spirit wants us to go, as we read in verse 12. So, those wings, at least one pair, presented to us so that we might be lifted up. And we might move forward in this life and the works that the Lord has called us to. Now, that being said, as I mentioned, well... At length, a moment ago, wings are still yet for more than just flying. Um, more than just lifting up. And I like this. I like this, well, as I looked into it further and, and considered it. I like what the Lord presents to us in that, well, it's not just being busy. It's not just about. Being a victorious child of God isn't just being busy about what we decide is our Father's business. You know, I I say quite often, it's not ours to say, this feels good, this sounds good, it must be good, I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to stick the Lord's name on it like a gift tag, as though I'm doing it for Him when when perhaps it's just satisfying my own desire to scratch an itch and feel good and righteous. Sometimes the Lord just has us to be still, to rest, to cease from our own works. You understand this, and our wings help us to do that. In Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 24. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 24. We see that there's a less busy function to these wings. I would even say that it's a tender thing. Not always about motion. Not always about doing. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 24, the second half says that at times they stood still. When they stood still, they let down their wings. A voice came from above in verse 25. Above the firmament that was over their heads. Whenever they stood, they let down their wings. If you look into the Hebrew, that, ver- or that word, that phrase, let down, means to relax. It means to slacken. Uh, to, well, at times it's presented as even being idle. Um, sometimes even weak. It carries a, a, a term It can be feeble even. Listen, the Lord doesn't give us feeble things. But the Lord does tell us to rest at times. And so I'll go and say that at least one pair of these wings is intended to still us. And when I say still us, I do mean us. We are called as God's people to render comfort to those ones who will be comforted. And and most obviously is comforting in presenting Christ in us the hope of glory. Presenting the Lord Jesus as the answer to those ones who will receive. Certainly we are called to do that to those ones that we have inside of our sphere of influence, our families, definitely. I mean, you don't have to be a parent. Young people understand this. You don't have to be the parent in the house to render comfort to someone in the house. You don't have to. I've been comforted by my kids before. And that's not just because they come up and they say, Oh, Dad, it's going to be all right. You know, <laughs> that sort of thing I'm, could take place. I haven't heard that for some time. You know, I try not to sit and just whine in front of my kids too much. But I'm comforted by seeing well, when, when the Lord works in my kids, when they make good decisions. I'm comforted when I see the Lord work in someone else's kids. I sit down with different ones at coffee. I sit down with different ones in different places. And... It's nice to hear them share with me the steps that their kids are making well in the Lord. And it's encouraging to those ones. They, they share it. Oftentimes you can see it. It gives comfort to them. At least one pair of the wings that the victorious believer is rendered is given to still and to comfort. And how so? Well, 
If you've ever watched a hen, I've been out to the Gordoners a number of times. They have a bunch of chickens, and they're getting bigger and bigger. I haven't seen any little baby chicks yet there, but I've seen them elsewhere. And it's always kind of dear, and it's tender when you watch those hens or a mom duck or something like that. And you see them take their wings, and they're doing anything but flapping those wings to get away from those kids. Guilty of wanting to do that from time to time, I'm sure. But they take those things and they nestle them in, right? You watch mama puppies do the same thing. They bite them, you know, not bite them, but, you know, they pick them up by their slack or something, bring their puppies in. Mama kittens do the same thing. It's a tender thing, right? They brood is what hens do. And they flap their wings and they'll kind of cluck and, and make little sounds and all that, and they bring them in and settle them into all that softness that's right up in here, their softness and their warmth. It's ours to do the same to a certain measure. It's not unlike the Lord for us to do that. In Ruth uh, chapter 2 and verse 12, Boaz speaks to Ruth. He himself is imitating the Lord in saying this and in his own actions, but he speaks of the Lord's desire to, to brood. The Lord repay your work, Boaz said to Ruth, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Now, if you, if you look at something's wings... Whatever wing it might be, wings in and of themselves aren't incredibly strong. You can snap those little hollow bones really quickly. It's not a lot of strength that it's talking about necessarily. Man, this is a comfort that's happening here. That refuge is bringing them in close and bringing them in tenderly. Uh, There's protection there. There's encouragement there. There's comfort and stilling there. In Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2 speaks of the... Speaks of the Lord Jesus there when he says, But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. There's a comforting there. There's a brooding there. There is a restoration that is there. And of course, I imagine, um, well, if you were here recently, I spoke in regards to Jesus uh, speaking over Jerusalem here recently. In Matthew 23, it records that statement there. Where he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. You're not willing, he says there. But he wanted to. He wanted to comfort them. He wanted to gather them in and brood over these ones. He wanted to be tender to them. Oftentimes we're not interested in the tender things it comes easier to some people than others just naturally speaking it comes easier to some people to open up to being comforted and being offered that tenderness let me encourage you whether it comes naturally to you or not be ready for the lord to brood over you be willing to allow him to spread his wings over you and gather you in it's not weakness necessarily it's a submission to the lord That strengthens you. That enables you to put away your things and to be still. It should very much be our nature, certainly, to comfort as the Lord wants to comfort. We should want to care for others, certainly. We should want to, as parents, gather in our own little chicks and that sort of thing, whatever age they might be, and to brood over them. It should be within us to want to comfort those ones who necessarily aren't in our home and that sort of thing. But to want to comfort those ones. It should be, it should be well, our inclination to offer rest and offer hospitality, as the Word tells us to do. 
But there's a more personal application here. More, more self-focused. And at times it's okay to be so when we're seeking the Lord. Ezekiel 10 and verse 8 shows us a little bit of a detail I'd like to point out so that you can understand what I'm talking about here when I say personal focus. Individual focus for this stilling and for this comfort. Ezekiel 10 and verse 8. A little detail there about these ones who are busy about the Lord's business. Ezekiel 10 and verse 8 says, The cherubim appeared to have the form of a man's hand under their wings. I think this is interesting. Now, my personal image of what these ones look like might differ from yours. Probably does differ from yours. All of them are going to probably look rather weird. If you're imagining them the same as the word presents it, Anything with eyes throughout and all over the place and different faces of animals and, and the legs and the feet that you see here, they're all going to be a little bit weird, but you can understand what this is saying here. Under their wings, there's a hand. There's a form of a man's hand under their wings. Now, if you look at your hands, and if you consider your hands, and you look at hands throughout Scripture, Nehemiah asked the Lord to strengthen his hands. I believe Ezra asked the Lord to strengthen his hands for what? For the work, is what he said. Strengthen my hands for the work. Hands are certainly, they're, they're our most functional portion of our body as far as articulation and all of those things. They're functional. That's what we do. We pick this up. We turn a page. We're always using our hands. I'm not talking about our heart that's always going in our lungs and that sort of thing. But as far as doing things, this is a picture of our work. A picture of our doing. And it's covered here by these wings. These things that are an emblem of our function, a symbol of the work that we do, albeit by the Lord's direction, it's covered by the wings. And at times, we are intended to calm these things and relax these things to still these things, to still our hands. I consider, well, a hen coming up essentially and taking my hand and covering it up, except that it's my own wing that's doing it. I want to do, I want to do, I want to do. <laughs> Let's just pull this back for a minute. Sometimes that's what we're called to do. We're called to cease from our works as he did from his. We've read in Hebrews 4.10. We're supposed to remember that our purpose is to serve him. We're supposed to remember that our purpose is to pursue him. We're supposed to remember that our joy is found in praising him. We're supposed to remember that our Works, everything is intended to glorify Him. And sometimes our works can take us in a direction that glorifies something other than Him. Might be the right things, might be for the wrong reasons. We lose track of ourselves, perhaps. Doing, 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 and losing track and losing our, our, our understanding of why we're doing, doing, doing. And it's those times when we need to take a moment. And take our wings out, as it were, and pull our hands back and comfort those things. Rest and still those things and just take a moment. Well, and as we read there a moment ago, let down our wings. Stop trying to move. I like the term let down there in this passage here. That term let down is translated here, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Sometimes that's what we're intended to do. And know that I am God. For what reason? I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And we need to stop momentarily at times and remember that these works that we're given to do, the reason why we're moving forward, the reason why we're not turning to the left or the right is because He's at the end of that. 
purpose, at the end of that focus and, and path and our, well, that walk that we have. The victorious one in Christ, the full overcomer, intentionally rests in the Lord, waits on him, seeks him out for his direction and his purpose and his confirmation oftentimes for those works that we've undertaken for ourselves. Always seeking God's first and not our own and willing to pull back the hand, particularly if the Lord tells us to stop doing what we're doing and recognize, confirm what it is that he has for us to do and why we're doing it. So at least one pair, at least one pair of wings is intended to still comfort to rest now there's a third pair uh, that we're going to talk about here in just a moment but regardless of how many pairs you might have uh, you understand that each one of these things is intended for a purpose Uh, back in revelation chapter 4 and verse 8 the four living creatures that we see here each had six wings in revelation now ezekiel's living ones are presented there in the earth with four wings The ones in Revelation 4, we don't see them in the earth. We have them seated around the throne. And they have those six wings. So you consider why that extra pair? Where is this extra pair from? What's it for? Well, When you get right down to it, I think that the picture is a little bit obvious. The ones that we saw earlier with four pairs of wings going straight forward in the earth and their purpose, they were in the earth. These ones who are no longer going straight forward. They're before the Lord and seated before Him in heaven. I believe that this extra pair is probably what got them there. What got them there before the Lord Jesus? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air because he will call us up. And he'll give us, I believe, again as illustration, an extra pair of wings. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. One pair is to move straight forward, not turning to the left or right. In service for the Lord, one is to certainly be let down and to rest in the Lord. And I believe one pair is given to take us home to be with the Lord, those ones that will sit before his throne. All of God's people are going to be with him in eternity, there's no question, but not all will have loved his appearing. These ones will have been ready and made themselves ready for his coming, and these will be satisfied with leaving this world whenever the Lord calls them. They'll look to mount up. They'll look for his voice. They will look for his coming be it in their own deaths or in his saying, come up here, and they will be rewarded so. Saints, this is the way of the victorious believer, isn't it? Uh, To live our lives purposed for him, to do for the Lord as he calls us to. I don't want to say it's work, 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 but you show me your faith by your works. That's what the Lord tells us to do. and, And sometimes our works aren't just what would everyone would look at and say, that's a man of God. Man, look, look at all the good and the, and the charitable things he's doing. Not always is it that. Sometimes it's doing the unexpected as the Lord calls us to. 
Sometimes it's merely even resting and stepping back from certain things as the Lord calls and directs us. Those are the works of God. Seeking the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that's a work of God. It's a work of God that doesn't seem on the outside to be a blessing or a benefit to anybody else. It's a work of God. All of the things that he calls us to and directs us to as his children, those are works. We're called to do for the Lord in our actions and in faith and in godliness and obey him in every effort that, well, every effort that we make. We're called to rest in him, rest in faith, believing him to do the work, believing him to help us in that work. Rest in him to guide us in that work and trust him for peace when it doesn't necessarily go with what we would well, what we would desire. And certainly the victorious one wants to win him and be called up. And we'll be blessed for it. And we'll be given the wings to do all of these things. Are given the wings for at least two of those things. But our every effort and our desire, whatever the case might be, all of these things that we do in pursuing Him and working for Him and resting for Him, it's all so that He might be what? Glorified, yes? So that we might praise the Lord in work, in rest, in our pursuit of riches. Yes, it benefits us, but it's for His glory and for His praise. Everything, even our transformation, as we're transformed more and more into the Lord Jesus' image. It's to honor Him, not just for us. So it's presented again, what the Lord has for us. In Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 24. One other thing that these wings do. Ezekiel 1 verse 24, the first part there says, When they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, a tumult like the noise of an army. In verse 5 of Ezekiel chapter 10, that other presentation of them, this is in the vision of the temple, and the cherubim were there before the Lord. It says, The sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard even in the outer court, like the voice of Almighty God when He speaks. These ones, whether they were moving forward, or whether they were at rest in, in front of the Lord, when it moved, whether, whatever the case might have been, in motion and, and at rest or in joy and in sorrow and all of these things, however, however we're given to use these wings, it's always for the same purpose. All of them, all of these pairs, they're intended to praise Him, to sound like Him, to present Him. What did it say that it sounded like? Like the voice of Almighty God when He speaks. Sounds like the noise of many waters, and we can read that in Revelation where it sounds like thunder in heaven. All of these things that we do in rest or in work, whatever the case might be, whether we're letting them down and gathering our hands in, or whether we're hard at it, trying to do as he, as he calls us to, doing all things as unto Him, it's all to praise Him as it looks more and more, and sounds more and more, and bears testimony more and more of the Lord Jesus Himself, sounding like the Almighty God when He speaks. Saints, when you do what the Lord has for you to do, Full of motion or completely still as he calls for us to. It looks like the Lord Jesus to any who are willing to see. To any who are listening to the same spirit that's leading you in your motion or in your stillness. They will see the Lord Jesus and it will sound like him. Be a powerful testimony. These wings that he offers us, all six of them, all of them are given to praise him. All are given to worship and glorify him. Saints, I want to be man. I want to be like these four living ones. I hope you do. 
I want to be a servant of the Lord. I want to reflect the calf that is the Lord Jesus. I want to be, well, bear out the royalty that I am as a king and priest to him. And you are as well. I want to bear out the line of Judah in me. I want to do that. I want to bear out that I'm a son of God. Have a measure of the likeness of the Son of God, the deity that He is, and reflect that eagle. And I certainly am a man, but I want to be a godly man, as the Son of Man was. I want to be circumspect, as these ones were. And I want to do all of those other things that are presented. I want to bear out all of those eyes that are, that are presented in these ones. I want to move in the direction of the Spirit. I want to not turn to the left or right. I want to praise and glorify Him with everything that I do. And I want it not just to be lip service. I want to live my life for him. Saints, he gives us those wings that we might do just that. He gives us those eyes that we might do just that. He gives us all of these things that we might reflect these ones who seem so confusing at first glance, but are so relatable. If you just consider who they are, what they are, what they did, what they did it for, And recognize that the Lord is willing to help us to be the same. Let's be grateful and rejoice that he has offered us wings as well. And use them. Use them for all of the purposes that he intends them for us. Let's bow our heads together and close in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we're grateful, Lord, for the pictures and illustrations that you show in Scripture. Father, I thank you, Lord, that... We don't need to create sentimentality. We don't need to create emotion, Father. We don't need to create ooey-gooey type of feelings, Lord, to look at something and recognize the depth of it, the grace of it, the mercy of it, the power of it, Father, and the love that is offered in it from you to your children. Help us, Lord, to lay hold of these things that you offer us in your word and strengthen us, Father. Strengthen us that we would pursue and desire more of Jesus. You offer him. He offers himself. And all we need do is receive him fully. Help it to be so in our hearts and in our minds and in our desires. For your glory, our blessing, but for your glory and your honor, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.